Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. It's all creative, people. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genre. It's going to do something special next month. I'm going to do a kind of retrospective where I'm going to talk about some of the things I've learned. I'm going to show a variety of clips from some of my favorite recent authors and talk about things I've learned. I learn something every time I talk to somebody, but I thought I'd reflect on that a little bit. So I'm going to do something a little bit different next month, something a little fun. Hope you mind, don't mind it. I certainly enjoy doing it. Uh, we're also, you can find that at authormagazine.org, if I didn't say that already. We're also funded by the fabulous Pacific Northwest Writers Association. These people have been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. They really have, from the beginning to the end to marketing the whole, uh, whole nine yards. And they do a great conference every year. We're gearing up for it now. It's going to be second week in September here in the Seattle area. And it's going to be a good one. I know there's still spots there. You can come sign up. People usually put it off to the end. Don't put it off too long. Sign up. Get in there. Meet other writers. Learn about writing. Learn about marketing. Pitch your book if you've got one of those. Pitch it to agents. Pitch it to editors. Take a master class from Donald Moss or Chris Vogel. Oh, it's going to be great. We we're going to have a special screenwriting class at the end of it. Special screenwriting thing if you're into that. So check it out. PNWA.com. Org. Speaking of classes, because I'm going to be teaching, uh, I'm going to be teaching at that conference. But I'm also, I want to say, well, thank you to the wonderful people on Anderson Island, Washington. I just got done with a retreat. I taught there this weekend. Met a great group of people. Talked about fearless writing. Talked about the personal essay. Talked about life. Talked about what it is to be a creative person. It was a great retreat. Thank you. Thank you all. It was a lot of fun. And I'm going to be down in Portland uh, first weekend in August, coming right up next weekend. Uh, and I'm going to be teaching a fearless writing masterclass there at the Willamette Writers Conference in Portland. Big conference. Love that conference. Taught there a bunch of times. I don't know. I think there's still room there, but it's like a special class I think you have to sign up for. So go check it out. The Willamette Writers Association's Willamette Writers Conference. Big conference. Check it out. Oof, that's a lot of fun every year. And speaking of fearless writing, whew, so much going on. As I mentioned, I've been, if you can't make it to Seattle, that's where I do all my teaching here in the Northwest and sometimes down in California, but if you can't make it here, that's okay. The, the magic of technology, I'm doing online fearless writing classes. These are visual, so you get, we're going to talk to each other. We can look at it. These are video conferences. Uh, I had one scheduled for the 27th, but it's all full. It's all full, people. I'm sorry. So I created another one, August 17th. 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and that one has spots in it, and it'll be a two-hour class, fearless writing, no matter where you are, from Tacoma to Timbuktu. It doesn't matter. You can be a part of this fearless writing class. Check it out. Go to my website, williamcanower.com, and you can sign up for it. You know, special note also, today's guest is going to be a good conversation. You're lucky you tuned in for it, but Shannon Etheridge uh, deals with marriage and sexuality and sex and relationships, and today, believe it or not, my 27th wedding anniversary. Yes, it is. Going out to dinner with my wife tonight. So it seems like the perfect guest, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Well, Shannon is a million-copy best-selling author, international speaker, certified life coach, and advocate for healthy sexuality with a master's degree in counseling and human relations. 
Since her mortuary days of embalming many HIV-positive and AIDS patients, she has boldly spoken to high school and college students, single adults, and married couples about embracing a lifestyle of sexual integrity, overcoming past sexual and emotional baggage, cultivating genuine intimacy in marriage, and instilling sexual values in our young children. Shannon Etheridge, welcome to the show. Bill Knauer, thank you so much for having me. I can tell we're kindred spirits already. Oh, you can? I kind of sense the same thing. It's good. Good. It's good. You you're, You know what? I, I give you kudos for wanting to go talk to high school students about sex. Uh, that could be, uh, it could be squirmy. It could be a little squirmy, but I bet not for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I just did a two-hour coaching session with a 22-year-old whose mother told her absolutely nothing about sex. She came yeah. in to marriage, a total virgin, didn't know anything, had had such a traumatic three months of marriage so far. And it's like, I want to spank your mama right now. Like, yeah. why? why would we send your adult daughter into marriage with no helpful information? So, yeah, it really is up to us to pass that baton to the next generation. Well, let's back up. Let's back up with you uh, because – an enticing little bio you gave us. So it started, mm-hmm. it started something, you had some kind of a, 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 an awakening when you were embalming. Is this right? Working in, oh my, you know what this, Shannon, you are my third mortician I have interviewed. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know That's what's going you. on. This is interesting. What does that so say about you, you Bill? That well, you I don't morticians. know. <laughs> I, I, death is interesting, as, and so is life. It's all interesting to me. So, okay, so you worked in the in the in the mortuary. Is this was that you like your first career? That was my first career, and I was expecting to be embalming te- embalming people in their 80s or 90s who just reached the end of their life and died of natural sure. causes. But right. I was shocked at how many people I was embalming in their 20s or 30s because of an HIV or because of full-blown AIDS or they got an HIV positive diagnosis and committed suicide. And it was during that season that I was like, hello, um, there's something wrong with this picture. And I had been a very promiscuous teenage girl and Uh uh, just felt like I really wanted to teach young people the things that were never taught to me. Um, And then I've just kind of grown with my audience through the years. Now I'm in my fifties and I coach people as early as 17 years old, as late as in their 70s, and just help people have the healthiest sex life possible. So you, so you were, you were in your 20s, because because you sound like you're about my age, and so, uh, and when I was a young, in my 20s, teens was when the the AIDS epidemic really exploded. Um, yep. And I knew some people who passed away from it, and so you were probably in your 20s too so that must have been the 80s when that was happening yep yep exactly I I think that AIDS was discovered in 81 I graduated in 86 became a mortician in 88 yeah around that time frame all right and so you were just you were a young woman and you'd you'd been been playing around a little bit but you know you're not the only one uh and but (laughs) some light went on in your head and it was seeing them dead obviously and 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 but and so what, like, so specifically, what did you do? Like how long, what did you first do to move from being uh, working in, in, in mortuary to actually starting to do, like step out and talk to people? What was the yeah, first thing you actually, actually did? I was attending a church down the road and that youth pastor asked me to speak to the youth group about any topic I chose. And I said, well, 
can I teach him how not to wind up on my embalming table prematurely? And he said, absolutely. <laughs> so I talked to them about, you know, making healthy sexual choices in life. And the teenagers just flocked to me from there on out. And it's like they wanted to ask me all the questions that they couldn't ask their parents. They couldn't ask their right. pastor. So right. it was starting with who was around me. You know, I've heard a saying that if you want to know whether you're a leader or not, turn around and see if anybody's following you. And at that point in my life, I couldn't deny that some people were following me. Right. um, Right. I had to start doing a lot of studying and a lot of rehearsing and speaking to other youth groups and sometimes college campuses. Um, Right. And then those students would grow up and get married, and then they would reach out to me saying, you know, we're having a really difficult time in our relationship. Can you help us? And so I've just kind of evolved. I, I probably coach more couples about how to break through frigidity and and right. overcome the hurdles that hold people back in bed that I do about people acting out sexually. I think that in this day and age, the problem that we have is that more that people are just not finding the energy or the passion or the drive to connect with their partner like they should, and they right. let life come in and, and keep them too busy to connect. You know, I think, although uh, this is not my area of expertise necessarily, but it seems to me that promiscuity, which is sort of using sex incorrectly, I think. I think you're kind of using it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're using it for something that it really can't give you, you know. Um, It's sort of like a drug in a way. Um, You're medicating a pain, absolutely. Exactly, exactly. And frigidity, I feel like they're kind of two coins of the same problem in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. a, A misunderstanding of the sort of naturalness of sex. Does that, yep. does that resonate with you? It does. I, and I think that more than anything, you know, we have just come out of an era where it was, it was called the purity movement. And there were so many people of faith who were instilling sexual values from the perspective of good girls don't and yeah. just say no and don't even let those thoughts come into your head. Well, you have to let sexy thoughts come into your head before you ever have any interest or arousal. So now we've got all these people who've literally right. been new, spayed and neutered uh, by well-meaning religious homes. And so undoing some of that shame is a huge part of what I do. Right. So you focus a lot on the Christian community where there's been some, it's been a heavy, it's, you know, I have friends who, who left that in part because of the intense um, desire to sort of control their well, a lot of things, but sex for sure, one of them. And so mm-hmm. that's been where a big focus of your work has been? Yeah. I, so I focus on uh, overcoming shame, also on overcoming sexual abuse and the trauma right. that that creates, or yeah. uh, you know, women who have been raped or molested or incested or whatever, um, all kinds of trauma, all kinds of reasons for disconnection. Women with poor self-esteem, women with horrible body image, uh, yeah. Men with erectile dysfunction, men yeah. with performance anxiety. Uh, you know, there's a million different reasons why people aren't having a vibrant sex life, and uh, each couple is unique. Each individual is unique. I say that sexuality is like our fingerprint. No two people are exactly alike, and so it takes a unique approach. You know, I was talking to you a little bit right before we came on about uh, when I teach fearless writing, the, the – the metaphor of sex sometimes comes up because for a lot of the, 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 um, the, my students, uh, they are, some of them have trouble getting themselves to write, you know, and then they get writing once they actually kind of bust through and get an idea, 
they they're all in and they're flowing along and it's great. But but then the next day the they can't get happens. themselves. That's when the magic happens, right? And I always <laughs> I sometimes will liken it to sex, which is like your sex drive is always there, but you have to bring your attention to it. And once you bring your attention to it, it can come to life. But there's a lot of reasons we don't bring our attention to it, but it's always there. But you have you have a role in it. You know, you have a role yes. in in bringing it forward. It's it's a very much an inside out thing, not an outside in. You know, sex desire doesn't come from without. It, it always comes from within, no matter who you think you're looking at. Does that does that make sense to I, you? I, I could not agree more. Yeah, yeah, I could not agree more. It kind of goes along with that concept of it's easier to act your way into a new way of feeling rather than feel right. your way into a new way of acting. If we wait Ooh. until we feel like having sex or connecting with our partner, or if we wait until we feel like sitting down and spending four hours crafting a manuscript, right. it's probably never right. going to happen. You, yeah. you have to put yourself in the chair or in the arms of your partner or in front of your laptop or you know, whatever the situation may be. You have to get into it first to find your groove. But if you avoid yeah. it for whatever reason, because of anxiety or insecurity or whatever, it's not, the magic doesn't happen magically. <laughs> well, no, it's all, it's so mental. It's so mental. All this, this, all these guys taking those little blue pills and I get it. It's a horrible feeling. I get, I mean, it's not something, <laughs> this is my listeners now know something about me. They didn't before. It's not a problem I have had, but I understand why some men would, but it seems to me so mental. So obviously, I mean, I'm sure there are some cases where it's biological, but it seems so mental, so much fear and so much performance anxiety. And, and I, it, it kind of pains me to see those, um, those medications being sold like candy to some degree. You candy. Know? Yeah. Well, you're, you're so right. There is a lot of anxiety. But I want you to think about uh, this, speaking of how sex and writing are so created. There is no more vulnerable place than in the arms of your partner in your bed, completely naked, yeah. or sitting in front of your laptop with the IV in your veins, letting it suck the life out of you. Like, you have to show up. There is nowhere to hide when right. you are making love, and there is nowhere to hide when you are pouring your heart out on the page. And so that concept of showing up and, and not being afraid of what other people think of you, of just living life to the fullest and becoming fully alive, there really is magic and power and healing in all of that. And so, Absolutely. yeah, I, I really haven't thought that much about how writing and sex are connected oh, other than totally. the fact that that's what I write about most is sex. <laughs> but I could totally see the analogy. It totally adds well, up. Well, and even to take it a step further, Shannon, in order to create something, uh, I talk to my clients about how you need a male and a female side. You need the female receptive side, the one that invites the ideas in. And then you need the male constructive side, the one that turns that idea that came to you into a thing other people can understand. It's a male and female side. That's how you, whether you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. You have both things. And some men have trouble with the female side, the receptive, bringing it to you. And some women have a little trouble with that male creative side a little bit. But you have to have both things blended in order to make this child called a story. Huh? How about that? How about that? One more layer. I, now you've blown my mind. That that was like the <laughs> orgasm of the conversation right there. I just have to smoke a cigarette and, and get my wits back about me. <laughs> Excellent. That's <laughs> that great. That was amazing. But it's true. You know, you got to have both within you. Yeah, well, and there has to be tension or else there's not a story. 
it's, right. it's just blubbering on a page. If there's no tension, if there's not some sort of anxiety in the character, uh, so yeah, anxiety is part of life. It's part of living. Um, and so whether it's overcoming your anxiety to become more sexually available to your partner or, or become more sexually um, alive yourself or putting yourself out there on a speaking stage or in a book, it's yep. all scary. Yep. It's all really yep. scary shit. But you know what? Just yep. do it afraid because there is never more a, a more powerful feeling than when you do put yourself out there and people eat you up. When they <laughs> celebrate what you're offering, yeah. that is yeah. such a great feeling. There is. And I will tell you, one of my there's a book I like that is I've, uh, I've always found inspiring. And in it, there's a quote that what is the quote that drove me to it, that brought me to it, which is, in my defenselessness, my safety lies which is when you understand, although it takes tremendous practice, that there's nothing you need protection from is when you understand your truest safety, right? That, you're, that you are safe no matter what. Does that make sense? In your defenselessness, yeah. your safety lies. Um, well, and, and here's another motto that I try to live by when it comes to my writing and to my speaking. All right. To stop worrying about the outcome, about what other people are going to think of yeah. you, like that is the biggest dose of poison that you can give yourself to completely oh. abort the writing process. And so my motto, I have two actually. One is, it's none of my business what other people think of me. <laughs> I just have to be true. To, I, I have to be true to myself. As long as I show up and present my truth, it doesn't matter what other people think of me as much as what I think of myself when I leave that stage. Did right. I show up? Did I give them my all? The other motto is you don't have to be a Jedi Knight. And Jedi is an acronym for you don't have to justify, ugh, justify, explain, defend, or interpret what other people are thinking of you. I like it. Shannon, that's Think so funny. Think about that for so, a minute. Uh, I don't have to. I just wrote a book about that. Fearless Writing, which is the book I wrote and all the classes I teach, is all about one thing, how not to think about what people think of your stuff. That's all it's about, an entire book about go. getting out of people's heads because that's where all your fear lies. And, and the same is true for, like, yes. sex. Like, you can't be thinking about what you think your partner's thinking or if it's, unless you're always right. assuming it's positive, right? You can't get in their head either, even, right? That's true. That's true. You've got your own storyline going on in your own head to create your own arousal and blood flow right. and all that jazz. Yeah, fear is just a story that we tell ourselves. That's right. But here's the really yes. cool thing about the fact that fear is a story that we tell ourselves. We are the narrator. And yeah. the same way that we can tell ourselves a story that creates fear, we can also tell ourselves a story that eliminates fear. That's or that manages right. fear, at least. We are the narrator. We get to dictate the story. So to tell right. myself before I enter out onto a stage or before I publish a book, people are going to love this. Not yeah. everyone. I'm never going to be everyone's cup of tea. I can't please all the people all the time. I can't right. piss everyone off in one fell swoop. I have learned that. Uh, right. I've been publishing some really, uh, you know, so, some really controversial things like sexually confident right. wife ruffles a lot of feathers. But oh yeah, if I can move beyond what other people think and just right. be myself and say what I feel like has to be said, then eventually the feathers get smoothed back over and people jump on board. I've had people say to me, you know what, 10 years ago I thought you were a heretic. I thought that you were just so right. rude and crude and socially unacceptable, and now they're like, I get it now, and I am so sorry. Right. And I'm like, don't apologize. Just just right. apply what I'm trying to teach you. Have a great sex life. Right. Stop living in Good. fear. Good for you. And so, and so, you, so talk to me. 
we're going to back up a little bit again. When did when did you publish your first book? When did the first one come out? Do you remember? You, you... Well, I started speaking in 96, and it right. was five years later that I landed my first contract. And it took okay. me it took me a year and a half. Um, I first started develop. I, all I was doing was developing curriculum, Phil. I was writing right. lecture notes. But right. instead of just writing a few notes on a card, I really sensed that I was supposed to put every word in writing as if it was some sort of manuscript. Really? I, I felt I was supposed to be able to hand it out to people. And sure wow. enough, women would approach me and say, my mom needs this, my sister needs this, my best friend needs this. Right. So I was handing out dozens and dozens of copies every week. And then it hit me that if I turned this, these lecture notes into a book, I wouldn't have to stand at the copy machine anymore. And so I, I sent out a proposal to 13 different publishers, and within right. four months, I got 13 rejection letters. Really? And I was about to give up. I was, I was so close. Yeah, people, publishers were saying, just sexual integrity isn't really a woman's issue. That's a man's issue. And I was like, what are you talking about? For every man that stumbles and falls sexually, a woman is falling with him. And sometimes it was the woman who led him there, you know? Right. And so, right. uh, fortunately, somebody introduced me to a literary agent who just happened to represent Fred Stoker and Steve Arterburn's Every Man's Battle Series. And they right. asked if I would be willing to write the Every Woman's Battle Series. And so, lo and behold, my first publishing opportunity was to come alongside an already successful movement, and I joined the team, and uh, collectively, um, the series sold over 3 million copies and was published wow. in 30 different languages. Wow. So, I tell wow. people, it doesn't matter how many no's you get, people. All it takes is one yes. Wait for <laughs> your you pitch. Know, <laughs> but isn't also – so, to keep – to double back between the writing and the sex, because I've always thought, like, you know, in, in conferences – they do they the the way we do pitching at the PNWA, for instance, now is they call speed pitching, which is absolutely modeled on speed dating. The idea being, mm -hmm. the agent knows pretty fast whether you're in the ballpark, you know. Oh yeah, and the first just, five minutes, easy. Right. Yeah, and same thing with dating. That's why my wife can't stand like The Bachelor. She says it's so ridiculous. You know, five minutes after meet somebody, whether there's really anything happening there or not, unless you're totally disconnected. And I think she's right. Yeah. And so. You know, you you don't you really only need one partner to well, hopefully you only need one partner to be happy. One person, <laughs> you know, you don't need. I used to, you know what I used to go through. I realized I would walk into a party and I thought I need everybody to just love the hell out of me in this party for me to be happy. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't true, but I kind of felt like that. It was kind of an insecurity in me. Like I need everybody to admire me. I need everybody to want to talk to me. You know what I mean? Maybe you don't. Yeah, I, I, I kind of live by the 80-20 rule. If I can make 80% of the people happy and 20% are unhappy with me, those are pretty good odds, you know? Those are good. That's a B. Yeah. I'll take that's it. That's a B. Yes, okay. Actually, all right, so did you – ready to talk about sex. Not everybody's ready to read about sex. I'm no. never going to appeal to all the people all the time, and that's right. okay. I'll just choose to appeal to those that are ready to look at their sex life, that are well, ready to make nice thing about changes. having like a book and a platform and all that is you can say to people – this is when I talk to people about platforms. I say, what's, tell people the conversation you want to have. And so you're saying, I want to have this conversation about sex. Do you? If they do, they'll show up. And if they don't, then, well, they might throw stones at you, but probably they just won't show up, Right. And that way, right, the people right. who want to have that conversation can have it with you. We continue right on. And, and you know right. what, you're, Bill, you're, you're dancing around the campfire that I love to discuss, and that's about marketing, about mm. you know, how are you going to put yourself out there. Yeah. And yeah. people get so anxious about that word marketing and all kinds of fear come up. But here's the yep. thing. 
marketing is simply sharing what you're passionate about with people who care to know. That's all that it is. And my See, favorite. That's, that's so healthy. That's such a that's healthy point. That's all that it is. It is. It's true. We do it all the time. We do it all yeah. the time. Um, right. But my favorite quote about marketing is by a guy named S.H. Britt. Don't know who he is, but I love what he said. He said, trying to run any sort of business without marketing is like winking at a girl in the dark. You know what you're doing, <laughs> but nobody else does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So Yes. Yeah. That's yes. right. So a a it, lot of what I do – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. Tell me what you do. Well, no, a lot of what I do in addition to you know, the sexual arena with the coaching and the workshops and the books – I also do a 12-lesson mentorship program for aspiring writers and speakers. It's called BLAST. It stands for Building, Leaders, Authors, Speakers, and Teachers. But a lot of what I do is teach people that it's not just about publishing a book. Anybody can write anything and go down to your local print shop and have it bound and published. That's not where the magic happens. Where the magic happens is when you get that book into people's hands where it changes lives. And right. marketing is what's required to do that. There are probably people who have written books far better than what you or I have ever written, but nobody's no. ever heard of them because they no. weren't comfortable with no, marketing. No one's ever done that. Then there are other books, <laughs> I'm sure that you've read them, there are other books that kind of stink, but because the yeah. marketing behind it was so strong, it shot to the top yeah. of the New York Times bestseller list. Marketing yeah. is a vital ingredient in the writer's journey. It is, but the thing I teach, when I teach fearless marketing, that's one of the classes I'll teach sometimes, and the thing I, I, I realize that most of the fear that people have about marketing is they think they're trying to read people's minds. They're trying to figure out a way to write or market to get people to like it, and I try to get them to reverse it to say your job is not to read people's minds. Your job is to accurately and passionately portray what it is the conversation you're having so you give people the best chance to participate in it. But you don't have to know what people like. And I think that a lot of writers go through that, that they have to somehow get you to like their stuff, which you can't, mm. right? Anymore, you, mm -hmm. you can't get anybody to love you. You can't get anybody. You just can't. But you can accurately, you can let them know what they're in for if they go towards your stuff. And you can't be shy if well, you want to do that. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that entirely, but I would add one more piece to the conversation, and that is as long as you've done your homework that your writing or your presentation meets felt needs in society, you don't have uh -huh. to sell it. It'll sell itself. Right. But ooh, uh, ooh. you yeah. just have to – all you have to do is communicate how what you have available will meet the felt need that they have. And if it truly right. does, it'll spread word of mouth. It'll spread like wildfire. I agree because word of mouth – is how a book gets sold. I, I remember the first time I oh, ever yeah. heard a really Donald Moss, actually the literary agent Donald Moss, talking about how a book becomes. He was talking about novels, but it's all the same. Becomes a bestseller, and marketing helps, but nothing beats somebody who isn't the author saying to somebody else, "You should read this book." That is the best marketing available. But you have to give them an opportunity absolutely. to do that. But that's absolutely how it it spreads. I agree. Yep, well, absolutely. we agree about so much, Shannon. Okay, and so the <laughs> most the most recent we were book. Spirits. Okay, so the most recent book. I actually don't. Okay, I don't actually. I, ha I created our little picture, but I don't have it in front of me. It's the sexually confident wife. What's it called? The sexually confident wife. It's not my most what? recent, but it is my most popular. Oh, okay, uh, good. Because it's it's a mainstream book, so it's not specifically for the Christian market. It's for the mainstream right. market. Um, but it helps women overcome the hurdles that hold them back in bed. So whether that's, like I said, self-esteem, body image, 
past sexual abuse, promiscuity, insecurity, lack of knowledge, um, fear, anxiety, depression, all of that kind of stuff. It helps women become who their who their husbands dream that they could. Uh, I love when right. I get to work with women in my four-day workshop. I do these Women at the Well four-day intensive workshops to help women unpack their sexual and emotional baggage. And right. usually within 48 hours after sending these women home, I will get flowers or candy or cards <laughs> in the mail from husbands saying, I don't know what you did with the woman that I sent you, but I'm keeping the woman you sent back. She's my dream oh. mother. Wow. <laughs> wow. What? Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're just running around making the world a little bit better everywhere you go, aren't you? I'm, tr- I'm trying. But uh, Sexually Confident Wife was about 10 years ago. My most recent book was called The Fantasy Fallacy. It's about uh, exposing the deeper meaning behind our sexual thoughts and fantasies and how not to be afraid of them, how to take control of them rather than letting them control you. And um, it was kind of spurred from the whole Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon. I was going to say. That's what it's about necessarily. I was wondering about that because when the Fifty Shades that, yep, came up, I thought, it. Jesus, what are all these women sitting around? Because that sold 55 million copies or something stupid like that. I thought, uh, it's, isn't it insane? Yeah, it but, is. but she met the felt needs of the writer of the yes. of the readers. She was yes, a master at understanding yes. how the sexual brain works and fantasy plays, and she twisted it into a beautiful love story that made it so palatable to readers that they ate it up. They absolutely ate it up. Women, mainstream women. All right. Well, listen. I've got one more question for you, but before I ask it, and I hope you're – are you still with me? Because you just got a little fainter. I am. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, you sound fine. Um, Okay, people want to learn about you, whether they want to buy one of your books or take one of your workshops or any of the many things. Where where can they learn about you? They can go to shannonethridge.com. They can click on the workshops link to learn about – we do women at the well workshops. We do couples at the well workshops that I do with my husband, who is a counseling professor – um, we do sexually confident couple workshops. Our next one is in May of 2020 in Belize. It's such a sexy wow. resort type what? of place. Wow. Um, right. I know. I love my job. Can you believe that we have to do this kind of thing for a living? Um, they can learn about the BLAST mentorship program, or they can learn about any of my books, or one-on-one coaching. And I do coaching uh, face-to-face in Lexington, Kentucky, or over the phone, or via Zoom, whatever works best for folks. Right. Excellent. Okay. That's all on ShannonEthridge.com. All right. My last question for you, Shannon. I want you to finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? It has taught me perseverance. You don't put 22 books out there being impatient or flighty. Uh, I have learned that anything that is worth doing, it is worth keeping your nose to the grindstone until it is perfect because nobody wants to put a half-baked product out there on the market. And so, yeah, perseverance. But, man, to put it all in one place and make it available to people where they can get so transformed and they've never even met you. They've never even had a conversation with you. They just spent 15 bucks on a book through Amazon or through your website. There is such power and healing in that. So for those who are thinking about putting their stories or their thoughts out there, please do it. Don't take those to your grave. There is no reason to do that. Take Bill's course, jump into the Blast Mentoring Program, go to a writer's conference, do something, but don't take those stories and those passions to your grave. They're not going to do anybody any good once they're there. Uh, I couldn't agree more, Shannon. You're awesome. Keep up the good work. Keep making things a little bit better. Keep writing those books. Thank you, sir. appreciate the opportunity to share with your audience today. You keep up the great work as well. All right. Thanks, Shannon. Take it easy. 
you too. And happy anniversary. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thank you. Yes. Yes, it's time to start preparing for that. Uh, well, everybody, wasn't that fun? Yes, it was. Persevere. Get your story out there. It's absolutely true. I will be back next week with Lori Roy. That should be interesting. Until then, find something you love and go do it. And thank you to RJ Jeffries. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.